Listen carefully to the following announcement. Okay, good morning, one and all. My name's Adrian. I'm going to guide us through things uh, this morning. I don't want us to see this morning, though it will look slightly different. For those of you who are familiar uh, to our Vision Sundays, you'll know that they're a great Sunday where we gather in. It looks a bit different, but it is exciting. For those of you who are new around us, hopefully you'll get uh, to see something of who we are and what we're about. But I don't want us to see what we're about to look at today out of context of where we're in as a church in the series we're in entitled Centred. As what we've done is that video shows week on week out, as um, Mike explained at the very beginning of us coming together to worship, to uh, give our hearts afresh to God today, is that we want to be a community that continuously are living within the, the complexities of life, the fullness of life and the joys of life, moment by moment, having moments where we seek to pause. And in this pausing, remember the one that we want our lives to be centered around. And then in having centered ourselves on God, the one we want our whole being to be centered around, to continue on in our lives, ensuring everything else orbits what we truly want our life to be centered on and in. And so this morning as we get to look at our vision of of who we are as a church, of where we're seeking to be and go as a church, I want us to understand that it, it all comes out of the place of us being centered. Centered as individuals, but centered as a community. And so I want us to start, therefore, where we left off last week, and that is to start by saying, actually, for us to look at where we're going as a church, both this year and beyond, also to make sense of where we've been as a church, we need to understand what we're ultimately about is the one that we're centered on. And so we have to stand, start here again at the cross of understanding that we're a community of individuals and together that are centered on God If you're around last week, you'll know that we looked at these great verses uh, in Mark where uh, Jesus is approached by some religious leaders. And the religious leader is basically saying different things. Some of them are trying to catch him out, but eventually one of them comes forward and says, actually, Jesus, can you give us some kind of outlines of how we can make life work? How can we make life be all it's going to be? And Jesus kind of answers in a way that was known by all of them, was using familiar language to them. But actually saying, actually, for your life to work, it's all about where you're centered. It's all about where you live from. And so we're just going to read those verses again in Mark. And this is where Jesus is kind of asked the question and how he answers. It says this, One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. 
noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? When we see that word commandments, as we looked at last week, we can tend to think, all right, so it is all about rules and regulations. However, in this day and age, what they're trying to say is, look, how do you just make life work? We're trying to make it work, and we've put all these rules in place to try and make life work. In actual fact, at this point, there was over 600 of the rules to make life work. And Jesus says, actually, no, it's not actually about rules, as we're going to go on to see. It is all about where you're centered. And Jesus says this. The most important one, answer Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Jesus says, if you want to make life work, if you want to have a sense of purpose in where your life is going, then center it on love. A love for God and a love for people. But in that, it is love. It's not obey. It isn't a sense of you must. It isn't a sense of duty. You must do what God says. You must seek to take care of other people. Now, the key word is love. And that's why we have to start here again at the cross where we were last week because actually it's only at the cross where we realize that the only way that we can love God and love people is an understanding that actually God firstly loved us. See, as we looked at last week, and I'm not going to try and reiterate everything I'd said last week, please rest assured of that. What I'd encourage you to do is please go and listen to last week's talk if, you've not, if you weren't here because uh, I think it will do us all good. It did me good. I hope it will do others good. But anyway, the deal is the cross we have is an empty cross. And that's the point. The cross is this sign because it's empty. It reminds us of the one who was there, the one who lived and died and rose again. But the fact it's empty promises us that, it, that he did rise again, that Jesus went to the cross and died, but then he rose again to offer life. And in it, the Bible says in Romans 5, that God sent Jesus to live, to die, and then rise again to do one thing, to be a demonstration of his love to everyone. See, at the cross, not only do we see it picturing everything that Jesus has accomplished, we see pictured there everything that God's love reveals. See, at the cross, we suddenly realize that the love that God has for each and every one of us is a God, a love that is unconditional. It's not about whether we deserved what Jesus had done. It's not about whether we've reached a point where we've kind of lived a good enough life. It's actually all about the fact that this is God's initiative and God's desire to love all of mankind and to make a way for them to receive all of his love. That his only way of that happening, because of the desperation of our place, was in sending his son Jesus to live, to die, and rise again. And so at the cross, we realize that God's love for us is unconditional. At the cross, we realize that God's love for us is only ever giving. This isn't a love that's out to get. It's a love that shows it's a benchmark of just seeking to give everything to everyone who will receive it. See, therefore, we're a community that say, actually, who we are, what we're about, is understanding more of the fullness of God's love. And out of understanding the fullness of God's love, it then allows us to start to see how we can make life work. As Jesus said, that in response to God's love, we're then able to say we want to give everything we can to what? To love God and to love people. And if you've been around us just for one week, 
My guess is you'll pick it up. You'll see it plastered everywhere. Like I often say, we're basically like a teenager with a marker pen in a bus who's just there to tag everything. They're going to just sign everything to show they were there. We're like that in respect to what we're about as a church. Though we want it to be plastered everywhere. We put it on T-shirts, posters, pictures, websites. We'll, we'll get tattoos done if people want it. That just simply say, what we're about is loving God and loving people. Just to say the tattoo one, I would say go to a professional. Don't come to me. As I, my guess is you may not be thankful for the result. But in it, we want to say actually in response to God's love towards us, it can but only cause us to want to love God and to love people. We say that that loving God, what does that look like? It means that we want to live lives that are centered in and around him. Everything we do is saying, God, we want you to be at the center of it. We want to be those that not only are centering everything around him, we also want to be those that are celebrating who he is. And why is it whenever we gather together, we have this moment where we center in in who God is, and then out of that centering in who God is, we just can't help but sing to give voice to our want to say, God, you're amazing. Can't help but have moments where people just pray out. Moments where people just share encouragements from God to us. Because there's this sense that in understanding God's love for us, it then causes us to love him, and in loving him, it causes us to both center our lives around him, but also just to celebrate in who he is. The more and more we understand the fullness of an empty cross, the more and more it causes our lives to both be centered on it and to celebrate it, causing us to be those that are continuously wanting to talk to others about it. Because it gives us this moment of understanding how our life makes sense because of his love. See, it's out of his love that gives us this security, identity, value, acceptance that we get to live from. And knowing that, we say, God, our lives are all about you both centering it and celebrating who you are. But it doesn't end there. See, Jesus didn't end there, did he? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, mind. In other words, love the Lord your God with everything of yourself, your intellect, your passions, your appetite, your strength, your ability, your very core of your being. Love God with all of that. He said, oh, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Love everyone as you've been loved, of the love that you know, of the love you want. What's the love that we've known? The love that we've known is here is God's. So we get to live lives that cause others to know the love that we've known. That's what we said we're about as a people. We want to be a community that's both loving God and loving people, causing people who come into contact with us to know and see something of the love that we've experienced in this God who is love. Which means that we get to love like God loves. It isn't like a badge we put on. It isn't McDonald's. is isn't where we kind of say, oh yeah, where we've got to is we've got a name badge and we've got a couple of stars. We've got the couple of stars that says, actually, we're about loving God. And we've got this other star that says, we're loving people now. We've progressed. We've got to this point of saying, oh yeah, I'll, I'll show people a bit of care sometimes. I'll help the odd, odd lady across the road. I might even smile. Occasionally, just occasionally, I might let someone in front of me in the queue at Audi. That's kind of how I'm going to roll. No, no, this isn't like a performance chart. It's rather a moment where we say, no, we get to love like we've been loved. 
We get to love other people unconditionally. When they think there is nothing that could possibly be worthy of love, they're the people we love being around. No, no, you're the kind of people God loves to show his love to. We go to people who say, actually, I know I need to be loved. We say, great, we love showing love here. So we love unconditionally. We love seeking to give, not to get. That being a community saying, actually, what we're about is saying, not what can we get from everyone. There isn't some secret agenda here. Isn't that we're going to kind of care for you in this way because then we can manipulate you in this. It's simply that we want to show how God's loved us. God has loved us by giving. And so we want to give of ourselves. That might be through listening. It might be through kind of seeking to provide practically for someone. It might be through befriending. It might be through just uh, saying, do you know what? I understand. We say we want to be those that, that love people. Man, what we're about as a church, what molds and shapes everything out is, out is, is this fact that we want to love God and love people. Man, what I love about Oasis is bringing people who Lucy and I care about around us as a community. People who don't know yet who Jesus is and the wonder of what he can do in their lives. And I love bringing our friends around us as a community to see what they notice. Now, my friends have to realize that sometimes I'll tell their stories and I always embarrass them if they're around to do that. But there's one friend that we've got who has recently come around Oasis. This is their take on who we are as a community. They said for the first time they came into a church and they didn't feel judged, they just felt accepted. And that's attractive. See, at those moments when people say things like that, I suddenly think, isn't it great giving ourselves to living out of this place that God loves us and in us understanding God's love for us, that we get to love God and love people and allow that to shape everything that we become, everything that we can do, everything that we can be. To be honest, who we are as a church, we were laughing about it during the week. I could get to this Sunday and just stand up and say, what's the vision for this year? Love God, love people, and then sit back down. Everyone will probably be a lot more happy with that version because it's like under a minute. But I kind of like to paint a bigger picture of it. But the simplicity of it is the wonder and the magnitude of it, of why we're here is to do that, is to love God and love people. What we're always going to be doing is loving God and loving people. When we finally meet Jesus, what we're going to find is that it's still about loving God and loving people. The four words are never going to change. The purpose of our existence is never going to change. It's always going to be about loving God and loving others. But as we do that, we does, does shape who we are. And just for a moment, I wonder, it's probably going to be quite a long moment, let's get re- realistic. But I want us to take us through a bit of a journey of both kind of where, we'd be, where we've been, where we're going, but also how it's to shape us then this coming year as we seek to love God and love people. And what I want to start off with is here is with a big bright orange book, which is our story, a story that started in 1999. I don't want to go right back to 1999 because that will be a long morning. Rather, I just want to take us back just a year. This time last year, where we kind of looked again and said, what is it as we seek to love God and love people that we want to be characterized? What is it we're going to learn as we seek to do this coming year? And one phrase kind of came out, and that is that we want to give ourselves to bearing fruit that lasts. 
That's what we want to do. We want to be shaped as a community as we love God and love people by bearing fruit that lasts. In other words, fruit that isn't just temporary. And we think, oh, that tastes good, and then we forget it. But rather that we seek to give ourselves to people, activities that are having a long-lasting effect. That's what last year was about. It wasn't that we said, right, we've done that for a year. Now let's do something different. It's rather that it's understanding it then becomes part of our DNA and says, actually, who we are as a community is we're not about quick results. We're about looking over time and saying, how can we bear fruit that lasts? So what did that practically look like last year? Well, let me just give us four kind of pointers, if you like, highlights of last year of how we saw fruit that lasts. The first one's this. We saw 19 people baptized in the last 15 months. At that point, you're going to go, oh, Asian, you said 12 months. All right. Well, in the 12 months, I think it was 13. In 15 months, it's 19. Now, in it, what I must understand is that to get baptized means that we've seen 19 individuals say, I've got to a point in my life where I want to tell everyone else that my life is centered in and around Jesus. Now, others of you are looking at the picture saying, man, how come there's some upside down and some at the side? Because it gives the action of what's going on. They go under and they come up. It doesn't really, it's just to keep you on your toes. Um, the point is this, as a community, part of us bearing fruit that lasts is in seeing different individuals get to a point in their life saying, actually, I want everyone to know that I've moved home. I've centered my life in God, which means that I'm no longer living for what I want and all the repercussions of that. I'm now living for what God wants and living on all the joy and repercussions of that. So we've seen 19 individuals over the last 15 months seek to do that. Second highlight, we've seen 60 people sent from Oasis in the last 12 months. Now this one makes me laugh because at the beginning of last year, I stood up and said, on average, over the last five years, we've seen 40 people sent from Oasis Church to different places in this nation this city and the nations, in order to reveal something more of the love and God's love and the light that he brings into different situations. I remember at that point, people saying, God, 40, that's a lot. I remember me thinking, 40, that's a lot. But that's what we do. I remember saying, what we do is we send about 40 people every year. I love that God likes to kind of poke me and say, you think you got this one pinned down? And so we get to the end of 2013 and we find, oh no, we didn't send 40, we sent 60. 60 individuals to different parts of this city, the nation, and the nations. And what I mean is sent, is it isn't they just left and we didn't know. <laughs> We're not talking like, all right, we lost 60 along the way. We went for a trip, there's a few hundred of us, we lost 60, but there's still more of us. It's okay. No, I mean that we purposely understood there were some in them going after what God has uniquely placed and called them to do to reveal of his love in loving God and loving people was going to be outside of who we are as a community. And we understand that we're not the answer for everything. Therefore, we sent people to go elsewhere so they would be able to be where they're meant to be and be the answer that they're meant to be where they are. So what's that look like? Well, let me just give you a few kind of headlines. I could talk about John and Joy, Jez and Karis, great friends of ours in Oasis. Last year, hear this couple come and share at Oasis who say, actually, we've moved to Birmingham to reach a community in Longbridge and that surrounding area 
not because there aren't good churches there, but because we realize there's just a load of people who don't know yet the wonder of who Jesus is and how he can transform lives. And this couple come and say, would anyone come and join us to help us do this? And so those four individuals, those two couples, Kaz and Jez, John and Joy, say, do you know what? I think, though it pains us, and I promise you it did pain them, each of them came in tears, not because I'm scary, but because it, it meant they knew they were leaving something that they knew was good, but they knew it was time to go. So what did we do? We didn't say, well, you can't go. Are we not good enough? We said, of course you go. So we pray and we send them. What's happened? They're now in a church plant that's growing, that through their Alpha course has seen three people center their lives on Jesus over the last term, that is now meeting every Sunday, is now setting up and running a mum and toddlers group that has reached the point of saturation that they've had to close the doors and say, we can't take anyone else because we can't fit them in. So we send with purpose. I could tell you about Ed Carpenter. Ed Carpenter came around us. He was this, this great musician. A trumpeter occasionally played on our carol services, but we knew that was probably going to be the limit of it. And was just this quality musician, and yet what he knew he was about was that God had given him this ability to be a musician and he was to use that ability to reveal God's love and light. And so he said, go then, Ed. Wherever it sends you, we want to send you into it. So what happens? Ed becomes part of a military band. Remembrance Sunday last year, four trumpeters live on TV calling out the last post, one of whom is Ed Carpenter. Those times you think, oh, we sent him. I know him. <laughs> Man, when that was on Facebook, boy, did I like that picture. <laughs> I felt like tagging it for the first time in my life. Thinking, I know him. <laughs> so he said, I, I could tell you many different stories. There's also the ongoing story. Rich and Ali Stunt, who are still part of us as Oasis, and yet we've sent them to the North Caucasus, which is part of Russia, to start to work to reach an unreached people group in the north of Russia, people who've never, ever heard about Jesus. And so what they're doing is they're not just going to tell people about Jesus, they're going to show people about Jesus. They're going to provide work, employment. They're going to provide education. And they're going to provide a message. And so this last year, they've set up their first English school where they're employing local people. And starting the journey of transforming that community. Richard, whenever I speak to him on Skype, he's always telling another story of how he's been invited, or he and Ali have been invited to meet kind of the, the dean of the university or the uh, mayor of the city. And it's just that God has just opened doors for them where they can just simply show what it looks like to have a life that's centered around loving God and loving people. It doesn't start near the end journey, so we've sent 60 people. Let's keep moving. We've also seen the starting of OKC. OKC, for some of us, will mean nothing. OKC is the Oasis Kids Club, and last year we launched it to the joy of the kids. Now, I wasn't in for some of worship this morning because I was out in OKC with all of our kids because part of what I had to do is quickly do a vision talk to them before I could do it to you. And so they've already had it. They had a pretty, probably a better one and a slightly shorter one, but they were louder than you are. <laughs> and in it, what we've found is we've started this Oasis Kids Club that runs from the moment people start are born 
through to 11 years old, and they go off to what we call our youth. But what we're finding is that the kids are engaging and understanding more and more of what God's love is for them, and how then out of that, they can seek to love people and to love God. And what we're finding is, as the year has gone on, as we've done different things where they can invite their friends along, they just love to invite people. This is something that's genuinely transforming our kids. I know for my kids that are in this, they are hugely benefiting from it. In actual fact, if it's not on, I struggle to get one of my kids to come along. They're like, I don't want to go. You're boring. (laughs) OKC has just been an amazing, amazing part of us bearing a fruit that's going to last. As we say that children value to God and we want church to be positive for children. Lasting the bridge. Bridges are a way of seeking to care for those that are struggling with addictions and seeking to see life change. If you're around this time last year, we run three houses, one, men's ho- uh, one women's house, two men's houses, seeking to say, actually, you may have addictions, but we want to help you understand why in order that you can live free, that there is hope. But at the beginning of last year, we got to a crisis point where we had to ask, does the bridge have a future? There was a huge financial uncertainty that the occupation that we were having in terms of residents in the houses was dwindling. And we were getting to a point of just thinking, God, what is happening here? And what it caused us to do is to drive into prayer, into understanding what is God's heart here. And as we prayed and as we asked, what we found is that God said, no, this isn't a moment to close, it's a moment to hone what we're about. And so that beginning of last year, we gathered as a team and we started to work out that what the bridge was about was three things. That what we seek to build were homes, not hostels. That what we were seeking to do was to run a 12-step program that people would know addictions, freedom. But that wasn't enough. We also wanted to do a third element, which is where we wanted to equip people with life skills, that in order that they would be able to get on and live the life that they've got to live. And the journey is this, that as we've given ourselves to those three things? Have we had a staff team that have gone through the roller coaster of what that looks like and have just held firm and said, no, we're not giving up on this? We ended the year at a point of financial stability, which I promise you is nothing but the miraculous. It's a miracle that we started the year where we were at and we ended the year where we are at. It's an unbelievable miracle. But also the point where, at the lowest point last year, we were at 38% occupancy. In other words, of the three houses we had, there was only 38% of the bed spaces. You can ask me afterwards, how can you have 8% of a bed? But I can show you if you like. We had 38% occupancy. At the end of the year, continuously, we were ending at 83%, of which nearly 50% of our residents have been with us now for six months or more. For me, I think this is bearing fruit that lasts, but I can still see, but this is stats, Adrian, we're a bit tuned off, even with the color pictures. Let me tell you people's stories then. I asked just some stories of what does the bridge mean for individuals who are at the bridge. I'm not going to give names, but I can afterwards, all of them have said, bar one, that I can give you their name and you can go and speak to them more if you'd like to. This is what they had to say. First guy, I used to be controlled by alcohol, alcohol and drug addiction wanting to die and give up. Now, as a result of being at the bridge, I've been able to become and stay alcohol and drug free for seven and a half months. I'm starting to discover myself, learning to like and value myself. Life is getting better and I now have hope for the future. Second story. 
Well, what can I say about the bridge? It has saved my life. If people knew me before, I was in turmoil, on a downward spiral of alcoholism and out of control. You must really want to recover from your addiction as it's not easy, but at the bridge, with the help of the staff and other residents, you can do it. Being a Christian and knowing that the bridge is run by Oasis Church is a great help. I've been here seven months now and clean for ten. I still have a long way to go and other issues to deal with, but I know in myself I can do it, and I'm looking forward to the spiritual journey that I've just begun. Many thanks to all at the Bridge and Oasis. Last one. Thank you, Bridge and Oasis Church, for your unfailing love, nurturing, understanding, patience, concern, encouragement, support. And well, I could keep going. I came here from a black hole of alcohol abuse to escape life, to a failed suicide attempt. All I can say is that I was drowning and the lifebelt came in the form of the bridge. Without Oasis Church, there wouldn't be a bridge. Phew. Now that's a thought and a half. Thank you. <laughs> Common thread. If this wasn't here, I think I'd be dead. Because it is, I'm not. That's what it means to invest and bear fruit that lasts. But you see, it isn't that loving God, loving people shapes our past, it also shapes our future. And for those of us who've been regulars, we know that we live with this passion and desire of who is it we might become as we look to our future. And how we've done that is we've painted a visual picture of what does it look like on our 25th anniversary, the year's 2024, and we kind of say, what would it look like for us to go and greet and celebrate with the Oasis Church community on their 25th anniversary. And we started to imagine what it looked like. We've been imagining it for nine years, and the, the imagery goes like this, that it's a late Sunday in September, probably the last Sunday of September, where we're going to gather with the community to celebrate the wonder of Oasis Church's 25th anniversary. We find ourselves at the foot of a big building, a kind of old warehouse-type building, where the whole frontage is glass, and we kind of think that makes sense because glass is what speaks about Oasis because Oasis has always been a place that says it's transparent. It is who it says it is. It does what it says on the tin. But the glass has two words edged on it. On one side, it has edged the word love. On the other side, it has the edge the word hope. As we realize that even if someone just simply drives past this building, that everyone within it wants everyone going past to know that they're loved and that there is hope. As we go and examine the word hope, we realize that there's something edged underneath the glass and the word hope. And see that there's a mobile telephone number edged there. And under that mobile telephone number is edged the words, if you need this, call this number 24-7. See, there's this recognition that in this community that actually for some people to ever step foot over the threshold of the building is too big a step, but they need hope. And so to have a number they can call is what is needed. And then we kind of venture in and we find ourselves into a big lobby. And in the lobby, there's kind of artwork all over the walls as we realize that this is a place where local artists can get a foot up on the ladder and are allowed to exhibit their work for free. We find there's a hub of activities. There's tea and coffee being served. And we find that there's still these jazzy orange fashion T-shirts being worn by everyone as they welcome us and say that it's so good that we're there. They give us a great coffee, just like we had this morning. And there's still the donuts, but the jam's somehow hot and fresh. 
We grab a donut and the welcome person who's very keen to start to show us around the building, they show us room after room of activity after activity. We find one room that's called the orange rucksack. We go in and find it's just a place where there's just supplies of everything. Sleeping bags, clothes, food, furniture. We discover it's a room that's there that had been birthed out of what started as a street outreach project that's just there to give to people who need for free. We find another room that's called the den, and we go in there, and it's a bit dingy and dark. There's like sofas everywhere. We find out that during the day, it's used to engage with disenfranchised young people who are just wanting a place where they can go that's safe and be listened to. And in the evening, it's transformed to a kind of gig hotspot in Birmingham. We think, long gone are the days of impact of the bull's head. Now we've become a venue where bands come to play and where record labels are formed. And people get to celebrate this music that's being generated and celebrate what's good in the city. We then find another area, which is the ring of rooms, rooms that's called the family zone. We find there's kind of, kind of a parent and child room where there's just a load of cool soft play stuff. But also off it are just rooms of people offering to pray for people where and when they need it. We find kind of a room that's allowing people who are not actually in contact with their children at the moment to just come and have time to have safe contact with their children find another room that's got just activity going on that's helping people get back into work is giving people free desk space to set up businesses find other rooms that are helping people continuously work free from addiction and other things find that there's another room that's a pregnancy crisis center as we look we see there's a map and there's just room after room after room of just activity after activity after activity they're seeking to show something of the love of god to everyone and anyone. We then get ushered in and we get told that we've got to go to the boiler room. We think, man, what on earth is that? And so we find ourselves up some stairs and in a big room. And as we go through, we find it's a room that isn't the boiler room. It isn't that there's kind of some big generator, but rather there's just three different walls that we can see because the other wall's behind us. And the three walls that we can see is a map. And on the first map is a map of Birmingham. The second one is a map of the UK. The third one is a map of the world. As we go to inspect it, we realize that on the map are pictures of people. And the pictures of people in Birmingham are people that we've sent from Oasis to different areas to plant churches. Different people who are involved in different areas of influence. It might be in health, in social work, or in education, or politics, or business. We see then on the next map of the nation, we see that there's, again, photos of people who've been sent from Oasis just littered over the map in places of influence, in seeking to help build churches in different areas. And then we see on the map of the world, the same is true of individuals that we recognize who are now in other nations seeking to reveal something about the love and light that that love brings of God. And then we look behind us and realize that this is the prayer room, that the heart of who we are as a community is still the heart. Everything we ever seek to be, everything we ever seek to do is all out of that place of prayer, of understanding we have a God who is limitless. And if we want to continuously come to him and say, God, you who are limitless, would you cause us to affect each of these areas? as we already are. And we get ushered into a big auditorium and we go there and we find there's just a whole group of people just chatting and someone at the front trying to call everyone in. We think, but this is Oasis. No one takes any notice from them. And so we just keep chatting and then everyone starts to die down because a video gets put on. <laughs> and when we watch the video, we hear story after story of people who start to tell their story of how they discovered the wonder of God's love and how their life now has been changed forever by centered around it. 
And at the end of those videos, the, a kind of local civic leader, leader is invited to come to the stage. He comes to the stage and he just says, thank you, Oasis, for what you've given to this city. If I could sum up who you are as a community, I'd sum it up, sum it up in this one word. And that word is love. At that end point, the band strikes up and everyone starts to worship. And as we stand there and look around, we realize that this community is still the same community at the heart. Because it realizes that this isn't their story. It isn't all about them. It's all about God. And therefore, in everything, it's always him who's the one that this community wants to passionately give everything in celebration of. And as we stand there amongst this passionate bunch of worshipers, we realize that this isn't the end. The best is yet to be. See, that dream of what we want to become as we love God and love people is a dream that we want to see become a reality. See, 2024 is only 10 years away. For some of us, 10 years feels a long time. For some of us, 10 years feels a pretty short time. For some of us, 10 years is becoming shorter. For me, it kind of, it, it gets to this point where I think, man, 10 years ago, I started leading Oasis Church. Man, everything has happened to this point. I now start to look and say, right, in 10 years' time, we want to be inhabiting a place. It isn't that we're moving in. It isn't that we're unlocking a door saying, hey, isn't this amazing? It's somewhere where we're established. So if that's the case, how do we turn the dream into reality? How do we turn the dream reality that from that place of loving God and loving people of everything we want to celebrate when we get to 25 years? Well, I'd say it's first that we have building materials. We need to understand that what we need to give ourselves from this year on is getting the right building materials. We're going to ramp up the speed at this point in time. What are our building materials? The first one is this, is glass. We need to ensure in everything we're seeking to be and do, we always build from the place of authenticity. We want to build from a place of reality. However messy our reality is, that's the place we want to build from. We're not going to build from unreality of some kind of tarnished view of who we are. We're going to build from the reality. And we're going to continuously say what we say is who we are. We're not going to over-promise and under-deliver. We're just going to say this is what we're doing. Therefore, as we build with glass, it means this coming year we want to continue to value and strengthen our small groups in order that we'd all have a place where we can be known and know others. We want to continue to encourage one another to live from that place of reality. And we want to encourage one another to use what we're going to be introducing. And all I'm going to do is give you a headline of something that will confuse you, of a discipleship triangle, where we're going to discover that every side is equal and all of our lives can be shaped by it. So we're going to continue to build with glass. We're going to continue to build with cement. Cement is the prayer that everything we're about as a community has ever been pushed forward because of the fact we've come before God and said, God, would you do? Man, if you've never been to our prayer meetings, and I know often I could be quoted saying this, saying, if you've never been, if you come to one, you never miss another one. Why do I say that? Because it's through our prayer meetings that we've genuinely prayed and seen God answer. It's through our prayer meetings that often God will speak and it shapes who we've become. And if you're not there, you're missing out. Therefore, this year we've said, let's move the night, not to kind of get a load more people along for the sake of it, because we don't want anyone to miss out. It's a new start, new year, because we want to ensure we build with cement. Third one, bricks. At the end of the day, what we picture on the 25th anniversary is both pictorial about who we are 
but also something that we physically want to touch. See, what we're saying is we're putting a marker in the ground, like in America where the first frontier people went into the ground, and there was just nothing, and they just like to stake areas and say, this is a place I'm going to take. And for us, what we're saying is from this Sunday onwards, we're going to start to work towards having our own physical building, a place that we can call home, a place that isn't under the guise of someone else's. You know, here we, we, it's great, but ultimately we're squatters. We rent it off someone else and we therefore live to what their drum is and the beat that they're drumming. We want a place that actually allows us to build home where how we want to build it. This place is great in that we can inhabit it, but what would it look like if a place that is ours where we get to define how we inhabit it, when we inhabit it, and what we do from it? Therefore, we want to give ourselves to bricks, to building the physical place. We also want to give ourselves to paint. That's the other building material, paint. What's paint about? Paint is ultimately about us ensuring that we continue to impact and influence everything in this city with the wonder of who's God, who God is as love and what it has is to have a life that's full of his love. And that's going to be through all of the different things we do this coming year, through impact, through our outreach teams, through our Sunday mornings, through a Monday night football, through something else I can't remember. But in it, every place we've uniquely been placed is understanding we're there to paint. We're not there to kind of just blend in and be wallpaper and say, no one can notice me. No, we're there to kind of paint some vibrant colors to say, hey, well, because I'm here, I want you to see what God's love looks like. And God has uniquely placed every single one of us to be in a place to paint. And then the last material is this. A solar garden light. <laughs> this is the one you'll all remember. See, what we're about ultimately as a community is we're about solar garden lights as well. That's part of our building materials because we want to get people so equipped in who they are and understanding what it means that God has loved them in order that they can love God and love people in order to know that actually in part of them loving people may be being sent by us somewhere else. And we want them equipped enough that when they go, they know that they're being sent and can be light wherever we send them. Therefore, for us as a community, it's never a negative if we're sending people. It's actually a sign of fruit. It's a sign of who we are as a community. Therefore, there'll be some in this room who we will send. There'll be many others who we don't outside of this city and beyond. Be many of us who stay. See, one of the things I love about sending people is this. The more and more people we send, it seems the more and more full this room gets. And I don't understand those maths. I kind of thought the more you send, the less you have. But it seems to be the opposite with us. The more we send, the more we get. And for me, that seems exciting. Because one of our building materials, therefore, will always be solar garden lamps that allow us to see the beauty of equipping to send people. Last but one base then. High hats and high vis. At the end of the day, for this to happen, for us to build with these materials, we need builders, and that's where all of us come in. The question is, will you be in builder? To be one of the builders, I say we need an attitude of. The attitude is this, that we live saying we're going to center on God. We also live in that centering of God with the example of a couple of guys from Scripture. which is going to come up, Paul and John the Baptist. This is what Paul says, hopefully. 
Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. John the Baptist, he must become greater, I must become less. To build what we're going to build, what we're going to say is as a company of people, as individuals, from this year on, what we're going to be about saying, actually what my life's about is you, Jesus. And it being about you, it's going to become less and less about me and more and more about you. So it's an attitude that we're going to live with in building, but it's also action. What does that action look like? Well, I'd say it's commitment. It's commitment with our energy. It's commitment to kind of say, we're going to play our part. It's commitment with our finances. It's commitment to build from the foundation. To build from that foundation of saying, where we build from is that fact that God loves us, and we therefore love people, and we love God. But it's also that we build from that place, not only of the foundation, but we build saying we're going to build with these materials, not adding to the, the kind of pot. That's the real material. And we can see everything we want to see by 2024 as we build with that. Can you humor me just for a moment? I know I'm going on, but humor me. Because there's a danger that what we start to think is brick, physical building. What Oasis Church is about is that building. So 2024, 25th anniversary, we've made it. Jesus, take us now. That's it. That's what it's all been building to. But the thing is, everything has always been pushing towards a much grander design. I want to understand that. That when we love God, love people, it's always pushing to a grander design. You see, even when we look at that 2024 kind of building that we get to inhabit, it's ultimately, ultimately it's not a building. It's an outpost, an outpost of a city, a city that's yet to be, a city that we actually see will be here on this earth where everyone will dwell, where it will be filled with God's love, a city that we see spoken about at the end of the Bible. And in being filled with God's love, we get to see it in its full color of a place where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more death, a place which is full of God comforting everyone, a place where we can see God as we see one another, a place where we can see one another, a place we're told where it's full of light because there is no darkness. There's no need for day and night because we can just be a place that's to be explored, a place where all the nations live in total unity, a place where we're told that actually everything is restored and made to its glory, to reveal the glory of who God is. Over Christmas, I got to read The Last Battle, written by C.S. Lewis. And when he's picturing what that will look like, of where ultimately we get to see our, our focus, our destiny, and how we then get to live as outposts now, this is how he puts it. So this is the moment where the children that have been going into Narnia from Earth and all the Narnians that kind of have died and have got to this point of being taken into Aslan's country. And this is what, how C.S. Lewis puts it, of them now finally being with Aslan, with being God. He says this, But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world and all their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last they were beginning chapter one of the great story which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. Perspective moment. Everything 
I've taken a long time to talk about this morning is literally the front cover. The rest of the story we will only truly get to unpack when we finally meet Jesus face to face. Therefore, we give ourselves to loving God and loving people, understanding the adventures we will have in this world now together are up just the title page, the introduction to the greatest adventure that's yet to be. Therefore, will ye come and build? Where I'm at is I'm ready for it. I spent 10 years getting to this point. I feel more up for it than I've ever done. The question is, where are you at? My guess is for some of us, we're at this point. We're at pause and center. For some of us, we're coming and saying, but Adrian, I don't even know if my life is centered around God. For you, I want to say, is today a moment of saying, actually, everything you've ever desired, everything you've ever wanted is ultimately, you've realized, found here in God, of understanding that God loves you. All he asks for you in return is to receive his love. And in receiving his love, you'll realize that you just want to love him and love people. For some of us, that's our pause center moment. For many of us, though, this morning, it's this moment of saying we've paused, we've centered. We've centered on that point of understanding that we're here to love God and love people. And as we love God and love people, we want to be shaped as a community, as we seek to build with the materials. In order that a marker along the way will be our 25th anniversary, we say, oh yeah, do you remember? It's just been part of this journey of loving God and loving people where we continue to love God and love people. And for us, as we've paused and centered, we then say, now we continue. We commit, maybe for the first time, maybe for the 15th time, saying, I'm up for this. I'm ready to do this again. Let's stand. Just for those of you who've got kids who are thinking, man, are the kids' work leaders kind of pulling their hair out? They always know on this Sunday is the one Sunday a year that I'm allowed to go on. Um, so they're okay. Can I just pray for us, though, at this point? Just if you close your eyes, not a way of kind of us doing something secretive. It's just a way of us not getting distracted by others. God, I just ask for each of us where we're at. I pray for those of us who know that our pause moment is to work out, do we want to center our lives on you? I pray, God, would you give us confidence to start to allow you to be seen more clearly and to receive everything you've got for us. I pray for those of us who've come just knowing we're part of the journey and life just gets filled and it can be good just sometimes just pause and say, oh yeah, this is why we do what we do. And God, I'm up for it again. My time, my energy, my finances, I say I'm in. I pray, God, would you come and would you give us faith for this next part? I pray for those of us who've never been part of this thing before and are left thinking, man, I want to be part. I pray, God, would you cause us to know we're in as soon as we say, I'm up for it. And I pray, God, would you cause many of us to do that? I ask, God, would you keep us centered on you? And as we do, I pray, would you keep it simple of us loving you and loving people? Amen. Do go and get children if you've got them. Uh, otherwise, we're going to do some practical things now. That is, if we could stack all the chairs to the right, that'd be really helpful. Uh, or kind of to the right of the rows you're in is probably the most helpful way of doing it. With